The Aldis Podcast is brought to you by Aldis International, supplying your expert AI and digital transformation staffing needs across the US and Europe. Today, you are listening to our ServiceNow series, where we interview the best and brightest of the industry to share their story, advice, and views on the exciting world of ServiceNow and digital transformation. Hello everybody, it's Mark Kelly here. I hope you're doing really, really well. I am the Chief Customer Officer and Co-Founder at Aldis. As part of our ServiceNow series, I'm very, very happy to welcome Doug Rezebeck. Doug is Director of Strategic Initiatives and ServiceNow Solution Practice at SoftTech Solutions. Doug, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. Before we get into your current role, tell me how you got into the world of, of ServiceNow. Actually, uh, in, a, in a previous life before joining SoftTac Solutions, the firm that I was with was focused on IT service management process consulting. And this kind of goes from way back, you know, Peregrine, HP service manager days, even actually spent time with IBM InfoMan on the mainframe. I don't know that our podcast listeners know what a mainframe is necessarily but it confirms that yes, I am gray and yes, I am old, but we were very platform agnostic. So we focused on building the processes, but then we handed those requirements over to someone else to actually do the implementation. And it sustained the company for a very long time, but there was a strategic decision made in the, I guess, 2013, 2014 range to say, we need to not hand these requirements over to somebody. Let's provide a turnkey solution end to end where we do the process work on the front end and then actually do the implementation. And that was, we were kind of moved that direction ultimately by our customers. We don't want to have another, another consultant in here. We don't want to have somebody else. We want you guys to give us the whole thing soup to nuts. And so ServiceNow was clearly the, the platform of choice for the industry. And having worked with all of these other platforms at some point, we clearly saw them as the market leader and hitched our wagon to ServiceNow. So at that point, we got into the implementation business. And that was back in the days. Just care those that, you know, kind of track the releases. That's how long yeah, I worked. That's, that's really helpful, Doug. Tell us a little bit about SoftTac Solutions and maybe your role, what you're doing day to day. So we are a HubZone certified woman-owned small business and ServiceNow is a portion of our practice. Our portfolio is largely based out of our origins. And this comes to the, some of the principles within the company of principle or the other directors, if you will. And that is out of the special operations. And so we do technical innovation and integration at that level. We do strategic advisory and program management, C5 ISR architecture and design and cybersecurity and IT services. Those things are all outside of my portfolio. My portfolio is right now exclusively on the ServiceNow implementation side. We have a broad brush set of capabilities and working in other government, but largely DOD and special operations here in the U.S. Tell me about how your career and skills developed over the years and what's given you particular energy. I've had, a, I guess, my niche, if you will, and prior to actually having ServiceNow skills, if you will, has been, it was hard to put on paper in a resume, but ultimately it's that ability to straddle the technical and business fence, if you will. So being able to talk to the CIO about return on investment, business value, those types of topics 
while at the same time being able to have a technology conversation with a software engineer or a network engineer or a systems guy or gal and being able to get in truly into the bits and bytes. So that's been my sweet spot from a capability perspective and starting out in the process side of the business and having a technology background, I was able to make a fairly easy transition from management consultant into technologist. And that all started the first job that I got out of college and the first company I was with, I eventually carried a business card that listed me as a technical evangelist. So that's kind of that role of being able to speak about both technology and the value of technology across the enterprise or, or mission set. It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant skill to have. Tell us a little bit more about the defense industry and for people that mightn't actually know what it's like to work within defense industry, what type of challenges would be paramount to them and how are you utilizing service now? to actually successfully resolve some of those challenges. I guess there's a lot to unpack in that particular statement there, but I worked largely in the commercial space until about 2018, did a little bit in the DOD world, but had a chance to go and support what I would consider to be the world's most elite warfighter, the U.S. special operations community. And the thing in that environment is it's a no fail mission. And that no fail mission, yes, it does exist at the tactical edge those that are truly doing the war fighting, but at the end of the day, and they emphasize this in that community so much is it takes everyone to address the mission. And in today's world, and I think everybody on the podcast can appreciate this technology is absolutely at the core of all military operations. So those at the back office that are supporting the warfighter are at times potentially even more important than the warfighter themselves. And, and I don't want to overstate that, but at the end of the day, if the warfighter can't communicate, the mission doesn't function. It doesn't work. And so the communicators are immensely valuable and important to the missions. That, and at the end of the day, it's about the teamwork, right? It's about focusing on those things that allow the entire unit to be successful. And so in that environment, in that mission set, it's a little bit different than corporate USA, that type of a world, or even in the EU and other places like that, where everyone's working towards success. Don't get me wrong at all, but at times you simply cannot have failure. And so that ratchets up the, it's the word I'm looking for, maybe pressure. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but the ultimate need for success. So that's a different aspect of it. And certainly being in a classified space presents its own challenges just in and of itself to the nature of that environment. And when you look at some kind of case studies that come to mind and if the novices listening in, these could be relatively basic, but it'd be really help, helpful in terms of explaining some of the challenges people have within defense and how we can actually track them and come up with a solution that's really helpful. I guess let's say before even getting into the defense side of that, I guess the first thing that I think is something that needs to be addressed when dealing with ServiceNow or quite any other technology or technology solution or implementation of change is dealing with change resistance. People inherently don't want to have, if you know the book, Who Moved My Cheese? They don't want their cheese moved. It's the, we've always done it that way here. And that kind of thing. And so when you are implementing change in an enterprise or within a, a directorate or an agency, 
addressing the human side and making sure that you are focused on, first of all, acknowledge change resistance. It will be there no matter how good of a job you do to address it. And the question then is, okay, that being the case, how am I going to combat and remove change resistance? And so don't ever minimize the value of addressing that proactively in your project plans, in your training, in your quick reference guides, those things that you produce as part of a ServiceNow implementation, always have one eye to the human element and the people that are actually interacting with the platform, because at the end of the day, you're trying to make them successful, make them efficient, make them more effective. And if you just focus on your business rules or your client scripts, or your script includes, and don't think about how that interaction and what you're communicating back to the user of the system, you're going to end up having more change resistance than you really should have ultimately. Yeah, I think it's sometimes when you drive to a statement of work and you, you're trying to just get everything achieved and boxes ticked, you can underestimate that people aren't ready to go on the journey and it, you know, it's being done with done on them rather than with them. And challenges then of trying to break through that additional layer because it hasn't been effective makes it, makes it even more challenging for the implementation. And it's something that really has to be taken into consideration. You're spot on. And here's the other part of it. When there's been a budget put to a project and you've got a set of requirements at the end of the day, your stakeholders, that your executive sponsor need to be able to say, we deployed the solution. We did it on call. We did it on schedule. So what is the one thing that always ends up on the chopping block when times are tight and money's tight? It's the people side. Oh, I can skip that training. I cannot worry about having that town hall meeting to express the, the value of the change to the agency or the enterprise. So it often is the first thing on the chopping block. And at the end of the day, that then creates downstream challenges and problems. And at the end of the day, too often the people are ignored in favor of the process and the technology. You are listening to the oldest podcast. When you're looking to scale your team, or if you are interested in showcasing your company in a future episode, reach out today. Or if you're in the market for a new role, visit our website to view open positions, www.aldis.com. That kind of brings into my next point is convenience. Because if you look at how good, you know, we're kind of talking about off air about, you know, Netflix and when I watch, when I not watch something, it's so convenient that you've got so many different opportunities to, to watch either on your tablet, your phone, or, or on your TV. What are customers now expecting in terms of convenience, making the customer have things at the fingerprints to allow them to be able to be achieve their success in a way that, you know, Netflix, Amazon, or Google have allowed for it? Yeah. And that's the thing. The Amazons of the world, the Netflix, the Googles, they have changed the landscape and for the better in terms of the consumer expectation, right? We expect to be able to get all of our answers through our device by ourselves. I tell people all the time, half jokingly, three quarters serious that I don't like people. Right? So in that context, I don't want to have to pick up the phone and talk to a customer service rep. I want the answers myself. So that convenience that we have on our own device, on our own schedule, I don't want to have to call somebody during their business hours. 
I want to get the answer to where my package is and when it's going to be delivered at eight o'clock at night when I'm watching Netflix. And so that expectation has changed. And ServiceNow has given us a lot of the, the tools and capability there, whether it's the service portal technology to create that streamlined user experience or things that we're even getting with some of the new UI experience and workspaces. We've got those things in our tool bag now, but we need to focus and make sure. And quite honestly, this isn't just for the external, the B2C type consumer customer, it's internal customer. We need to think about how they are going to experience what we are offering. We're going to create a service catalog, which means we're offering capability to someone. How easily can they interact with that? How easily can we prompt them for the information that we need? If they give us something we don't need, I'm asking for a phone number, you key it in wrong. How do I share that back to that user and say, hey, the format of your phone number doesn't make sense to us. We don't get this. Please fix it and then try to try again the thing. So we always need to think about that consumer-grade experience and what we can offer to them to make it easy to initiate the conversation with us on the back end of the platform, allow the customer to control the narrative of that conversation, and allow them to do it when it is convenient for them, not convenient for me, the service provider. Yeah, that's a really good point. Tell me a little bit about armymaintenance.com in terms of a case study. This one is a really, really good example of that particular situation. And it's certainly our most visible implementation, if you will. But the Directorate of Public Works in the U.S. Army is the organization on each installation that fixes stuff. Whether you've got a toilet that's got an issue, if you've got a, an air conditioner that's running hot, if you have a lock that's broken, they're the ones that do that work. And historically, those interactions with what's called the DPW were done through phone, through email. So the phone, I'm dependent on their ability to be at the other end of the phone to pick it up. Email. As we all know, as a complete black box at time, I'm looking at my inbox and I've got 4,434 unread emails, right? And that's just all that junk that it's in there that I don't want to look at. And there's probably some stuff in there that I should have read, but that's where it sits a lot of times. So the four-star general here happens to be in Huntsville, Alabama, where I'm based, basically over Army Materiel Command said, we need to put control of this narrative in the hands of the soldier, in the hands of the soldier's family. And we're going to do that with a consumer grade experience on their phone, on their timeline to basically tell us that they need our help. And that's at the end of the day, what it is. I need help. I need you to come address something for me. And keep in mind, if I'm the soldier and I'm deployed overseas, and my spouse is sitting back in the United States and has an issue, they need to be as empowered as me, the soldier, right? And so that was the environment that we've created through armymaintenance.com is creating a consumer grade experience for getting maintenance done on a U.S. Army installation. You know, Doug, it's so important because we're all human beings and these things halfway across the world, they can impact our job. So having that resolution, knowing that your other, your significant other is looked after in some cases and we, and they've got the power to actually follow up on it. It's one less thing to think about. 
and it's, it, there's so much design thinking in, in that approach. I try to make people very effective what they're doing. It was just their job at hand as, as well. So it's a great example. And thank you very much for sharing that with us. When I look at my last question, it's advice for people beginning their journey in service now. You, from you walking the journey and being hands-on in that journey even to, to, to this day, what advice would you share? I guess look for culture, look for mentors. I think that I'm not a big fan of the job hopper, if you will, those that just constantly go after the money. And that's where finding the right mission that you want to support. Okay. And so you need to find the right organization that's doing the things that are important to you and ride that out for a little while. You'll get your opportunity to upgrade your salary and to upgrade your position over time. But I know for me personally, and I can't speak for everybody, so let's be clear about that. But for me personally, when I'm interviewing somebody and I look at a resume and I see that every six to nine months, maybe a year, they're, they've gone somewhere new, I will ask that question every time. Why do you keep moving? And so if you can find those places where you can focus on your career and what you want to do, have some mentors to bring you along. Because at the end of the day, developing your skill set, we don't, what I know now is not what I knew when I started my career. And I had people along the way to help me learn. And that's, I'm still learning. And now I'm actually learning for people that, that report through to me in our organization, which is really cool thing. So think about it in career terms. Don't think about it as a job. So I guess that would be the first one. This one, the second thing I guess that I would recommend and this is a new thing for us in this world post COVID is don't fall into the work from home trap. It's good. I work from home. I'm at home right now as I'm doing this podcast, but I have the benefit of being able to travel next week and go and see our customer face to face, interact with the SoftTAC ServiceNow team face to face. And those interactions are invaluable. You give me a, a whiteboard marker and a whiteboard and a bunch of smart people in a room and things get done. There are problems that can be solved through collaboration, through that. I'm up at the whiteboard and somebody goes up and grabs the marker from me and says, Doug, but what if we did this? And ultimately by doing that, it's a better situation, I think. And so find that balance of, yeah, on Fridays, I like to sit at home and work in my underwear, but you know what? On Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'm going to put on board in my underwear and I'm going to go into the office and I'm going to get some work done and collaborate with my teammate and develop partnerships and relationships. That's something that's been emphasized in the time that I've been working in the special operations community is it's all about relationships. And as much as the technology for work at home and, and online collaboration has improved, and quite honestly, will continue to improve out of necessity. My personal opinion is you need a combination because you can't get everything in that environment. And to those folks who are U.S. citizens, I'll throw one last thing out there. Um, if you have any, a, a chance to work in the DOD community in the government space and can, can do that, I highly recommend it. Just one, for the environment and the experience, but two, the ServiceNow ecosystem is in need of cleared ServiceNow talent. And it's as somebody who is constantly hiring, I can tell you that is a very critical need is cleared resources to be able to address those that those resources are needed in. You've been listening to Doug Resbeck. Doug is Director of Strategic Initiatives and ServiceNow Solutions Practice Director at SoftTech Solutions. Doug, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Aldis Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any Android podcast of choice. You can also head over to our website, www.aldis.com, to listen to more podcasts, view our open roles, and stay up to date with industry news. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great episodes coming very soon.